verses 18 through 30, and that's going to be on page 944 of the Black Pew Bible in the back of the the pew. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one at home, uh, please take that home with you. Uh, It'd be a gift to you. We really uh, want everyone who can have a copy of God's Word to have that. And uh, this morning, Pastor Kevin Larson is going to be preaching for us. So if you will, turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 8. Uh, If y'all would stand as we read God's Word together, I'll read the text. You all follow along, and then I'll pray and invite Kevin on up to preach. Romans 8, verses 18 through 30, and I'm reading from the ESV. For I considered that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Dear God, it's only by your strength and your grace that we're here this morning that we've made it through the last 14 months. God, as we continue to hit these mile markers of health in our community, I ask that you would continue to give us strength and wisdom, but also that you would give us renewed hope. Your word tells us that a new creation is coming, one that will be free from the curse we're under now. God, I pray, I ask that you would pour out your spirit on us this morning for Pastor Kevin as he preaches your word to us, that it would be honoring and glorifying to you and edifying to us. And I pray that as a congregation, we would be receptive and responsive to you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Well, it's so good to be back in here. It's been a while, right? But we're, we're finally here. We made it. It's great to be in this great building that God has provided and to get to preach God's word to you. Um, you, may, you may not know this, but a few years back, um, these, these teenagers over here were little kids. And so they were jumping around, talking, um, acting crazy. And so I want to say to the parents today, um, don't worry about it. 
you're not going to distract me. Um, no, no big deal at all. And one thing I would also say too, just, just think about those, those meals where you sit your kids down, you get the food ready, um, somebody gets up, somebody has to go to the bathroom, people get in a fight, and then, you know, 30 minutes, an hour later, you realize you've only had a bite or two. I would just say, don't worry if you just get three bites today or 10 bites today, no big deal. Um, the good thing is, is that you're here, you get to be with the people of God, and just take whatever God would give you, but I'm just, I'm just glad that you, you braved it and you're here, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, I'm glad to have the kids here as well. We're here, but of course the, the pandemic, we're not quite over. Things still aren't easy, right? But today as we kick things back off again, I want to point you to a familiar passage of scripture, a promise I think many of you have heard and know. And I summarize it this way, and you'll hear me say this a few times, God works all things for good for his kids. God works all things for good for his kids. I want this verse, uh, really my favorite in all of scripture, to guide us as we move ahead together. We'll get back into Galatians next week, so don't worry about that. But for today, as we kick things off, I want us to spend some time in this epic verse in the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul, in this great letter, he he clearly lays out God's plan of salvation. Here in chapter 8, he encourages us not to turn from our hope, even in the face of suffering, until God's redemption is made complete. In verses 26 and 27, God points to the work of the Holy Spirit as a source of our hope. And in verse 28, we see this rock this amazing rock to which we can choose to anchor our boats. And these are tough days. They are. The wind has blown many overboard. The waves have torn many a ship in two. They have. We look around us and we see all the trouble and sadness, the evil and suffering, and we have to interpret it some way. We can't just pretend like it doesn't exist. Some would say... There is no purpose to any of this. We're just on our own and we just need to deal with it. Others might say, no, no, everything happens for a reason. It just has to. Many might argue that God may be powerful, but he's clearly not good. Others might say that he may be loving, but he's obviously not strong enough to stop any of this. But here in Romans 8, we find something so much better than those options we have what Hebrews 6.19 calls a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We have this amazing promise that we can turn to every day things are hard. In Romans 8.28, it's this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Today, this may be the simplest outline I ever use, and I never really do this, but I'm going to have you help me with it as we go through, and I'm hoping to get some of the kids involved with that as well. Um, just with this hope that God would use today to imprint this on our minds. First, what do we see here? Paul speaks of all things. So say that with me, first of all, all things. Let's try again, guys. It's 11 a.m., right? 11.30. All things. All things. That's everything, okay? That's all the things, not some things, right? Everything. So the big things, the small things, the seemingly insignificant things, the apparently extraordinary things, the dull things, the exciting things, 
the, the passing conversations, the life-altering meetings, the big graduation day, the first day on the job. Paul's talking about the circumstances in our lives, the people we come in contact with, places we travel to, things we acquire, events we experience, all things. He's in control of all of it. He's the creator, and not only that, he's also the king. So it's not just everything happens for a reason. No, everything happens according to his reasons. Across all his creation, in our lives, he's in control. We're talking every detail. He's over all things. But what's, what's Paul's emphasis here? Uh, what's his main point? What's he really talking about? Well, he's talking about the hard things. Now, I don't have time to get into how God can be sovereign over evil. That would take at least an hour, maybe more. But in some way, he is. He's in control even over bad things that happen. So car accidents, tornadoes, metastatic brain, breast cancer, traumatic leg injuries, he's in control of all of it. Even someone touching or maybe consuming a virus-infected bat in a market all the way over in Wuhan, China. Bad things like that. Or moms, this isn't just moms, but happy Mother's Day, or like spending a year holed up in a home with hyper-difficult toddlers. Or sitting through the millionth Zoom class in a row, at least it feels that way. Or feeling like all of your friends have forgotten you, or losing your job, or maybe getting the virus yourself. He's in control of all of it. Here, we're on this boat, we're cruising through life. Most of the time, though, it doesn't feel at all like smooth sailing. We have no idea where it's taking us or why, but there is one, friends, who controls the wind and the waves. And that should bring us a healthy kind of fear, but also a deep abiding peace. In Ephesians 1, verse 11, Paul, Paul there speaks of God as one who works all things, and that's the same term, all things according to the counsel of his will. Again, we're talking all things, he's completely in control. Second, what do we learn about those all things? Hear the verse again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So all things what? Work for good. So say it with me now. All things work for good. All things work for good. That's better. So yes, he works all things according to his will, but what do we learn here about his will that he desires our good? So hear me, he's not just in control of all things, he works them all toward a particular end. He has a goal in mind. So yeah, things happen for God's reasons, but this is even more than that, that God's reasons are good, and even more than that, they're for our good. But don't misunderstand this. This is an easy way to misunderstand it. You could try to read it like everything we go through is going to feel good, or when we go through bad things, something good is always going to come through it in this life. No, notice what Paul doesn't say here. God works all things together for our comfort. Yeah. 
No, he doesn't say that. No, for our good. Even the tough things, like what we've experienced over this past year, they're for our good. Now, for what kind of good? What's promised here? Back to the boat metaphor. Not just despite the winds or despite the waves, but really in them and through them, God is carrying us to a destination that he intends for us. He's using those very trials as a means to transform us. If we read along in in verses 29 through 30 of chapter 8, we see what's been called the, the golden chain of salvation. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Again, a lot there we could talk about. But for today, I want you to focus on this. Where is God taking us? What's his point? His point, his objective is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that we would one day be glorified. We'd be made whole. We'd be freed from sin. So the promise here is that he'll finish what he started, that he will save us completely. We will be without sin. We'll look like Christ Jesus forever. So all things work for good. Again, things may not feel like they're for our good. We may not understand how they're for our good. And again, if we worship a God, it would, the God, it would make sense that he would know things that we wouldn't, right? That he would explain to us later. We may not fully understand, but he's working for our good. This is how he works, and it flows out of his character. It comes from who he is. Some say he's powerful, but not good. Some say he's good, but not powerful. But we know here in Romans 8, 28, that he's both, he's in control and he does good. Third, what else do we hear in this verse? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things, what? Work for good for his kids, for his kids. So say that with me. All things work for good for his kids. We can't neglect these two really important clauses in this verse that let us know to whom these verses apply. For those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, don't misunderstand that first clause. It's not a condition that you and I meet for all things to therefore work for our good. We do not earn God's care. That's impossible, but it's not how he works. This is just a simple way to define a Christian. Christians are those who love God. Not perfectly, of course, but we love him. But lest we misunderstand things, we have the second clause. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. We call out to him but only because he first called out to us. Believers are those who are called according to his purpose. So to those who know him, or rather are known by him, these promises apply. So I know this is hard, but this verse just doesn't apply to everyone. Not everyone can claim this promise. To those who know Jesus, though, God isn't just our judge, God is our father, and he's a good one, a perfect one at that. 
Like good earthly fathers, he teaches us. He disciplines us. He gives us good gifts, even if they may not feel like they're good. Again, his goal isn't that we feel good, but that we look like his son. He's working, he's moving heaven and earth toward that big goal for us. I've shared this more than once at Karis, and I, I really want this to be a theme of sorts for our family here, here as we gather and, and, and God uses us in our city, but we've tried to drive these two truths into the heads of our kids over the years, and they're these. One, God is good, and two, God is in control. God is good, God is in control. There's a story in the gospel of Luke in chapter eight, and you may have heard it. The disciples are in a boat the storm picks up, they're flipping out. Jesus is asleep because he's, he's resting in his father's care. And they wake him up frantically. He, and then he commands the winds and the waves to chill. He says, peace be still. And then the disciples freak out more. And Jesus responds this way, where's your faith? Where's your faith, guys? Friends, Christ Jesus is the one who makes us right with this powerful, awesome God that controls something as wild as the ocean. Jesus makes us right with him through his life, through his death. If we believe we're adopted into his family and we don't have to be afraid of him anymore. But there's another reason not to fear that we can sometimes miss. You know, Jesus also is in the boat with us. He's guiding our journey. He's our companion on the trip. A year or so ago, a counselor friend challenged us. He said that our list was incomplete. He says, you really need to add another point to that outline. God is good. God is in control. But three, God is with us. You know, we could believe that God is in control and that he's good, but he's only that from afar, But no, that's not the Christian faith at all. The gospel is that Jesus came near. God came near to us in Jesus. That makes all the difference. All things work for good for his kids. So child of God, trust with me that that promise is true. Fight to trust that. And you who may be outside of Christ, step in the boat with us. Come to safety and approach God's love with us there. Now, we've seen some hard, hard days, haven't we? And we've suffered in many ways. Most of us probably know someone who's died. Marriages have suffered. Jobs have been lost. Depression and anxiety are through the roof. We've experienced so much isolation. In this season, so much division. And it's going to take years for us to overcome this. In many ways, the world is just never going to be the same. But we know the God who rules over it all. And this verse lovingly shouts out to us that God is in control and that he's good and that he is with us in it all, his kids. And I want to encourage you, beg you to join with me in clinging to this promise. But here's what, here's what you may be thinking today. I started out by saying this is a promise you've heard and know. And that's because Paul's first words are, and we know that. And then he goes into all things work for good. 
But you may be thinking, I really just don't know anymore, or at least I'm not sure that I know right now. And let me tell you, I get what you're saying there. I don't want you to feel judged. I want you to hear me saying, I I get it. I thought many times over this past year, why, Lord? I've shouted to the heavens, I just don't understand. I've wondered why God would will that this virus just wreak havoc across our world. And on top of that, why he would allow my wife to suffer through breast cancer like this. And my faith has been shaken. I've also thought time and time again, and I'm not talking about the people here, but with the insanity going on in, the, in our country and, and with the church, the capital C church, all the nonsense that we've seen on social media and all the bad things that are being passed off as Christianity, I thought, Father, if this is who your people are, you know, I'm not sure that I'm in this anymore. But I can't stay in those places, and you can't either. And I want to encourage you in just three quick ways as we close. I want to first call you to look back. Look back. Paul says, and we know that, all things work for good for his kids. As you ponder those troubling thoughts, as your heart moves to those dark places, remember back to how you've seen God work in your past. Remember, things have been hard, but can't you see how he's been good to you? So I used to get in a debate. Um, my kids couldn't grasp this back in the day. They're starting to get it now. They're teenagers. But I would tell them, you know, if I wouldn't have met your mom and married her, you would not exist. You wouldn't. But I wouldn't have met her. I wouldn't have married her without a lot of things falling into place. Like me getting dumped by a girl at Mizzou and abruptly moving down to Springfield as a result. Like her father getting transferred from Denver to there when she was a kid. Me later moving back there from Chicago after things went terrible and and nothing happened like I had planned. Amy losing her mom from a, a tonsillectomy gone wrong at a young age and spiraling downward into a life of sin. Me getting fired from a job that I hated and then sensing God calling me from that back toward vocational ministry. Me getting a job at a church where I often couldn't see God's hand and and was dealing with my own issues there. Amy coming and being baptized at that church and then us crossing paths as a result. Another girl that I thought I would marry going on a mission trip to Venezuela and then coming back and never talking to me again. Amy then joining me on a mission trip to Haiti and me, yeah, hitting on her there. And none of that would have happened if it weren't for a girl sharing Christ with me on my first job right before I went to college at a Kmart store in Kansas City. She shared Christ and it changed everything. Those three kids wouldn't be there and hear me, what I'm trying to say here, but to a certain extent, this wouldn't be here either. Now, I was reflecting, I, I said something to a few people afterwards, um, the guy over here playing the piano, um, back in, I don't know what it was, um, he's, he's out in the hall now, but 2008, 2009, um, he had to have a ride from Fulton to come play the piano over in the Tiger Hotel because he had gotten a DWI. 
right? And um, God used that to open his eyes, to change his heart, to, to renew his soul. And just look back, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, hasn't he also orchestrated everything in your life? Can't you see that? Will he not carry you through today and also tomorrow? So first, look back. Okay, but some of you guys here are super Bible scholars, and you're thinking in your head, but is that, is that Paul's point here? Well, it's a theme of Scripture, right? Look back to being freed from Egypt. You know, look back, look back, it's a theme. But no, yeah, you're right. His main focus here is second, look ahead at where our Father is taking us. That's what we see again in verses 29 through 30. You notice the word for at the beginning of verse 29. This is how Paul defends verse 28. This is how he explains it. The Lord has known and chosen and called children to be made into the likeness of Jesus. He's declared us righteous. That's what justified means. If we believe, one day we'll be glorified. Again, we'll be freed from sin completely. That's what God is doing. That's his promise, and it's to you and me if we're believers. Paul's point to you and me is this. You know this. All things will work for good for his kids. Why? Because God has a plan of salvation and you're a part of it. And nothing's going to stop it, not even these trials. And in fact, these trials are part of it. It's not your ability to hold on to him. He is holding on to you. Right? He's a good dad. He's one of those dads that his kids are in a boat, they're little kids, and he's watching that they're not too close to the edge, right? He's grabbing them and pulling them back in. He has your hand and mine in his kind, firm grip. And he has a plan to transform us, and God is doing something good in you and in our church through this pandemic. We may not know what it is now. We may learn over many, many years, but he is. Through the summer and into the fall, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time about talking about what God could be desiring to teach us through it. So look back, look ahead, and then third, lean in. So hold on just a little bit longer. I really want you to hear this. Hear me saying that the Lord understands your doubts and he is not surprised by them, and he is with you, holding on even in those hard moments. If you're on a boat, and the weather gets bad, and the waves start tossing you about, there's one place, this isn't complicated, but there's one place that you need to be. And where is that? It's in the center of the boat, right? If there's a safe place at all, and you can't go under the deck... The safe place is in the center. You cannot stand over on the boat's edge, leaning toward the water, and expect to be safe. You're going to fall in. You're sure of that. Here's my appeal to you. Friends, don't lean into your doubt. Lean into your faith. So many Christians, we've struggled during this this year, but I've seen so many that are just leaning in to their doubt and falling over. Lean into your faith. In your doubts, call out to him in prayer. If you don't know how to do that, read the Psalms because that's what David's doing throughout. He's calling out to God, why, Lord, why, Lord? And then God is bringing him back to the center. Hear him speak to you in his word. 
Don't be a fool. Don't realize by not reading your Bible that you're not getting any messages. You're just choosing to hear other messages. And people are ready to tell you all kinds of crazy stuff on social media, on, on, online, right? Move to the middle of the boat. Lean into him. That's where you'll be secure, only there. And that's also where the people are going to be. Also the ones in whom God is building wisdom. That's the place of safety near the community of faith. So we have been so isolated during this time. Don't further isolate yourselves. Don't let your struggles and your doubt push you away. Where the wind can and will toss you about and where the waves will end up consuming you. Get around brothers and sisters that can remind you of promises like we see here. And also don't forget that Jesus is in the middle of them. No matter how ridiculous, how foolish, how ungodly so-called Christians have acted in these days, he is among his true children, and he always has been and always will be. So look back, look ahead, but also lean in with me. Trust with me, Chorus. Though this has been so, so tough, that God is using this terrible trial to transform us. If you would say it with me one last time, all things work for good for his kids. Let's do it one more time. All things work for good for his kids. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would um, use this verse to remind us of what is true. Um, when it seems like everything is going wrong and we, we, we feel like we're alone, we can't explain anything and, and we just don't know where to go. Lord, remind us that you are with us and you love us. No matter what anyone would say, you are the king of the world that you have made. Um, help us believe, Lord. Please help our unbelief. And, and God, just root us in this as we forge ahead. Um, we're hoping tomorrow is better, but we have nowhere, no way of knowing um, where things are going to go, what your plan is. And just strengthen us by these words, I pray, to do what you would call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.